London Property, home of Super Prime, where you can find informative, educational and entertaining content covering all aspects of property. Hello and welcome to the London Property Podcast. I'm your host, Farnas Fazaipur, and we are speaking today to Michael Hanford Arnold, who is a seasoned professional with 26 years of experience at the top end of the market. And Michael, you're going to talk to us today about the topic of how many deals actually fall through from when an offer has been accepted before we get to exchange, and also the important role that an agent plays in that process. Welcome, Michael. Thank you very much, Farna. It's lovely to be on your podcast. So tell us, Michael, how important is the role of the agent? And uh, talk us through, you know, what are the things that you need to manage and what are the things that uh, end up in resulting for deals to fall through and why that figure seems to be one in three properties actually fall through from when an offer has been accepted before contracts are exchanged? Well, an agent has to wear one of many hats and consistently check what's going on with the expectations of the buyer, actually have to nurture the buyer's expectations and try and when they stall sometimes, saying, oh, goodness, uh, I don't know if I made the right decision or not, make sure that they realise that they have at the very start and continue to reiterate that all along. There are various complications with solicitors as well. Sometimes you'll have an out-of-town solicitor that doesn't understand central London leases. I have one at the moment. And you have to try and get everybody on board and basically massage them through. So literally all the time, you have to be constantly looking at every aspect of the sale uh, and, and, and just literally try to do what you can do to keep everything, all, all the balls ticking and rolling along. So would it be fair to say that, you know, the more hands-on an agent is in making sure that all the moving parts are being nurtured, the less likely it is that a transaction will fall out of bed or it's absolutely vital that uh, that that, you, that an agent looks at every part of it because you need to be there to answer the question that slight doubt that a purchaser might have you need to assure them or take them back to the property and you know look at the view where you're going to do this reaffirm them with why they wanted to buy that property in the first place then they quite often they go away and they're happy and would you say that most of the reasons that the transaction falls through is that the sentiment of the buyer changes because it is, after all, the biggest investment you make in your life. Exactly, exactly. Their, their sentiment changes. They go, oh, gosh, we've got must get something. I mean, it ticks all our boxes vaguely. And then they go through the whole rigmarole of making the offer, maybe making a slightly higher offer because what they've initially offered isn't enough. And then they sort of sink back into thinking, it's oh, a lot of money. Do I really want it? Oh, is that road a bit too busy for me? Then you've got to really step in. But also the, the agent's job in the first place is to ensure that you've not got a buyer that isn't sure about what they're buying, because then it will fall to pieces. You know, you can say, oh, why don't you make an offer? And yeah, you know, it might suit you this. You can tell generally. If you're experienced, you can tell if a property will suit a person. I mean, you know, you're not a clairvoyant, but you can generally get an idea. So one of the most important things is don't actually get deeply involved in a transaction with a reluctant purchaser Absolutely. because the chances of it falling out of bed are higher. Absolutely. You're creating a disaster at a later date and then they will lose faith in you because they're like, oh, I really felt pushed into that. You know, always say, now, are you sure? I think, yep, don't ask me. Yes, I think, I think it suits you, but I'm not you. 
how will you feel in eight months time after living here? You know, and then that reaffirms them. You can see the reaffirmation sort of wiping over their face a lot of the time. But of course, you're not out of the woods until it exchanges. You have to keep reaffirming them all the way along. Okay. Um, so playing the role of uh, agent and uh, psychiatrist. Abs- I was going to say, it's a psychological journey and you have to wear one of many hats. Also, your relationship with the solicitors is vital because solicitors at the end of the day, not a lot of them aren't that keen on agents. They just they just aren't. So I think develop a relationship with both sides of the, both sets of solicitors, and it can be done. It literally can be done. You know, if you just simply say, "What do you need?" I'm here to help at any stage. And if they're a particularly stuffy solicitor, you just say, "Look, you know, you, you become quite obsequious and say, i 'I'm a very good secretary. What can I do?'" And that always gets a, "Oh, okay, thank you very much." So, of course, 57 hats you have to wear all the time, and then then it should go through. There is no reason why it should. Yes, there's nothing more frustrating for a solicitor than an annoying agent calling and saying, "What's happening? What's happening? What's happening?" Yeah, and has it exchanged? Has it exchanged? Has it exchanged? Right. You know, and the agent's going to get a £60,000 bill, a £60,000 commission, and the solicitor's probably going to get two and a half. So, you know, excitedly sort of over-exuberant agents saying, I really don't understand why it's not exchanged. You know, that is a red rag to a bull with most solicitors. Right. And that is a surefire way to stall things, irritate them. And in the background, your buyer might need a bit of encouragement at that stage. So just view every aspect of it carefully and act accordingly. Right. So if you are going to keep calling the solicitor, call him to be helpful, not call him to be pestering him. Exactly. Is there anything I can do? You know, send an email. Is there anything I can do? Are you happy with where you are at the moment? Please let me know if there's anything at all I can help with from my side. And then, you know, even if they don't reply to you, the information goes in. And then if you need to call them about something at a later date in the sale, they'll pick up the phone. And keeping the momentum going is actually a a, a big part of the whole process as well, isn't it? Oh, no, it's exactly. It's plates on sticks, as the Greeks would say. You've got to keep them all spinning at the same time and make sure each single plate has its own momentum. Yeah. To use rather a strange simile. Yes. So we've we've touched on the aspect of legals and then you've got... Uh, what a property's been, you know, terms have been accepted at a price. And then if you are raising finance, then the next hurdle is the valuation. Exactly. And then again, here we go again with your sort of psychological side of things. You're not sure what type of value you're going to get. So you have to do as much research as possible into comparable prices and actually make them see why this level is the level that's been accepted that is acceptable. You really are. Your comparables are are the most important and meet them there. Don't just make an appointment. Meet them with paper comparables and chat to them and ask them, what are your concerns? Do you have any? Do you think there's that? They won't, you know, tell you straight away, but you can sort of get a gauge them by the Again, down to experience, you can gauge their thoughts by um, the way they reply to your questions. And again, that's a huge help. So there's, there's never really taking a back seat as far as an agent goes in a transaction. It's, no, it's, you never really... take your foot off 62 gas pedals, which you've got going on all at the same time. If you do, then you'll lose out on one or more of them. Yeah. And then the other thing is that values, you know, bank valuations tend to be a lot more conservative often compared to actual values achieved in the market. And I guess, you know, the valuers have got a duty to the banks to make sure that they're protected 
you know, for all sorts of eventualities. But when, when a buyer is faced with a valuation that comes in lower than what they've offered, um, you know, what are the reasons and what are the ways to manage that, that, that process? Well, hopefully you'll have a comparable just waiting some details in your hand of something that's possibly sold for a bit more than that. And maybe that one doesn't have as nice a terrace or doesn't have as nice a smart kitchen as, as a lot of them do. And you say, well, clearly, if they're prepared to pay that for that, this property that we're selling now is worth this. I realise you have to be conservative about it, but look at number 27. Here are the details of it. It has a far nicer kitchen, the aspect's slightly better, and yet that went for more money. So that gives you a guide to people's intent and what they're willing to pay. This is why this one doesn't look bad either. So on the subject of keeping momentums going, it's, it's really important for a seller to come to market really, really prepared. Extremely prepared with all your papers ready. If there's a delay at any stage, you're, well, you're, you're opening up an opportunity for something to go wrong. And um, on that subject, I had a, a conversation with a very experienced um, selling agent who's, who's got decades of experience in, in, in the prime central London market. And she was advising a client uh, in front of me who had an old building. He didn't think it was old, but it was old. And she said, look, in order to prevent from things having to be dealt with later, why don't you do a building survey now? Which I thought was actually a really smart way of looking at it. And if you are looking at a property that you know could potentially have red flags because it's old or the roof needs doing would that be a smart thing to do absolutely i even in uh it wasn't in london but the principle remains the same friends parents who've been living in a house for nearly 45 years and again like so many properties in london it was a georgian property and they can have quite a few things wrong with them such as the the roof structure etc i advise them to have a survey so they knew exactly what was wrong and that was why it, it was priced at a certain level this is what's wrong this is how much it's going to cost to do it up. We are still priced at the right level. So we really need to have one focus in our minds when we're dealing with transactions, and that is that transparency is key. The more transparent you are from the word go, the less likely it is for tempers to get heated or for things to go wrong, or for surprises to come out of the woodwork. Absolutely. Clear as a bell from start to end. And if somebody says along the way, oh, but um, I, I, I didn't know about that um, Death Watch beetle in that house in full. I didn't know. And you say, oh, uh, no, no, sorry. Please refer to the survey that the seller had done. It has got it there. And we actually went through it. And we recommended somebody that could come in and do a second opinion on how much that might cost to rectify if you weren't comfortable with the figures that the seller has uh, has provided uh, oh 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 yes you did are you still yes no 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 i am still happy there you've nipped it in the bud whereas if you didn't have that that could create a whole thing because oh well if it's got this it might have this and it might have that and how much is that going to cost to it and immediately they're off on a negative journey so um we've spoken about uh managing buyers and their fluctuation in, in, in sentiment towards the decision that they made. We've talked about the survey and the fact that it's actually quite smart for a seller to try and get a survey done in advance if they know that things are going to come up in the survey so that there's transparency at the beginning of the, of the, of the transaction. Um, we've talked about values. 
And then we've got uh, some other things that come to mind that are problems in the chain. So you might have either party be involved in the chain, for example. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Well, well, the, the chains, those are the, they're quite regular things and they are quite a nightmare. You then have to rely on calling another agent further down the train and getting their take, take on it. And you might very quickly get an idea that that agent is perhaps not as experienced or up to speed as you may like them to be. And again, they can cause the chain to rupture purely because they don't have the experience, etc., to get their side through. It might be a genuine reason. It might be some surveys come back and it's absolutely fallen to pieces. But the chains are the least attractive of, uh, of situations. That's why when a buyer comes forward and says they're either cash or they're chain free. The, the, but at the end of the day, if they're a genuine honest purchaser and they do have the money, etc., and they've got their mortgage offer, you wouldn't not entertain them. Well, it all goes back to how much interest have you got on your property and what are you willing to, to accommodate? Exactly, you know? exactly. Probably one of the most undesirable reasons where deals fall through after both buyer and seller have spent tens, tens of thousands of pounds on lawyers and surveyors and bank valuations and so on, uh, especially in prime central London, I mean, you could end up being twenty, thirty thousand pounds out of pocket before you even get to exchange. Um, is when you get gazumped. So let's talk about that. Gazumping is, is the official nightmare. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, change what I just asked you and say we've got gazumping and we've got gazundering. So let's let's first of all tell our listeners what is gazumping and what is gazundering. Well, gazumping is when a deal is going through and you basically suddenly everything's ticking along, usually quite nicely. And then suddenly another agent or even one of your own uh, buyers might be um, coming forward, having had second thoughts with a much higher offer. They might be cash. Uh, and they, they may seem to be good. The trouble with this is, I, I do think you are tempting fate in many, uh, in, 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 in many circumstances with this. Uh, gazundering is getting to the literally the last point before you exchange and then dropping your offer. Uh, that causes such anger uh, for the client. Some of them on principle will just simply pull out because they won't have it. It might be costing them a lot of money to pull out, but they will pull out. Now, in some situations, if it's a good property, the gazunderer will go, oh, okay, no, I will come back to the table at whatever. But if they don't, then then it, it, it is a complete nightmare and you have a very angry seller on your hand, hands. There might also, I mean, in, in defense of the gazundra, which I think everybody's worst nightmare is somebody who pulls out of what they said they're going to do and tries to change the goalpost. But in defense of the gazundra, there's also sometimes things come out of the woodwork, which affects the expenditure for the purchaser because the survey has disclosed something or, you know, there's been a dramatic change of events in the market or something. Then, you know, that person can say, well, look, I will continue buying the property from, from you, but I can't do it at that level anymore because now I've got to redo the roof. But would you call that gazundering? Right. So gazundering is, is very specific. Gazundering. Taking advantage of a situation before the finish line. Absolutely. It, 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 it is wrapped in skullduggery. I mean, reaffirming, reaffirming you know, your, your offer because you suddenly found out there is something severely compromising the property and it isn't worth 
what you felt it was worth or what your surveyor may say it's worth or something's happened some other situations happened whereby it's pretty obvious that you know your offer is a little bit toppy considering what you may have to do but i i put gazundering under skullduggery no other so now we've reached the end of the process and we're at a point where the inevitable has happened and a deal has fallen through so you've got some very unhappy people who are out of pocket um what happens in situations like that with uh, solicitors' fees, do they change or will they continue charging you at the rate that they were going to charge for a full through? And um, what about mortgage offers? Well, it depends on your own solicitor. If you have a family solicitors that have looked after a certain family, they, they would never, they would charge the same rate all along. Um, if it's a new solicitor that they're using, they may or may not. It depends on the firm. Usually the large firms just simply say, I'm sorry, it's the same level of expertise you're getting. We can't give a, dis- a discount. So it's probably quite useful to go into uh, the legals with trying to have a fixed cost, maybe. Exactly. Exactly. Have a fixed cost and ask the question. I mean, not to tempt fate. Um, what if the sale doesn't go through and then I employ you for uh, another sale of another property I've found? And uh, what about mortgage offers? Mortgage offers, well, they have their own sort of expiry date. Um, if it's expired, then you've got to do it all again, I'm afraid. Quite often, people have made... This is the important thing about getting everything, your ducks in order before you start. People will come, they've got a mortgage offer, but they've forgotten. They've only got three weeks to run on it. So by the time it gets around to the valuation, it's expired and you have to start from scratch again. That can annoy your vendor. Uh, and finally, the deal's fallen through, everybody's walked away, and then the seller's sitting there thinking, who shall I blame? That is when you really come into your own of pointing out, we're going to try this marketing strategy, going back to disappointed applicants, making sure that they can come forward with a decent offer if they still want the property, and you have to go on damage control like you have never done before in order to try and remain instructed, because that is the point where they literally think, okay, I want another agent. If they know you and you've sold with them before, then they'll put it down their experience. They'll just put it down to the market and just carry on as normal. But many, many, many people you will need to massage severely to maintain your instruction. Well, thank you very much, Michael, for talking to us. It's certainly obvious that whoever gives you a transaction to manage will be in extremely capable hands and have a very positive experience, which is which is also part of the equation, isn't it? Well, very kind of you to say, Stefanos. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the London Property Podcast. Head over to londonproperty.co.uk and subscribe to our newsletter to receive latest updates.